man that found it, uh, he goes and he hides it and he selleth all that he hath and he purchases, he buys the field. And um, we dealt with the treasure of the field. I told him uh, we looked at the treasure not only that was in the field, but we looked at the treasure of the field. And that is the field itself. So we found that the treasure representing the soul was lost. We found a man who was willing to come and find it and thank God he will, he's still passing by. And then we found that he not only uh, was selling all that he had to purchase the treasure, but instead he bought the field. And we made the representation and looked at the doctrine of lordship. And that is simply this. When you get saved by the grace of God, you are not your own, but you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We like to say we have control over our life, and we were on men. Let me just tell you, we have a lack of manhood in this day. But the, although we would use the word saying, use the saying, and it is a prideful saying that we are on man to the child of God, it's just not so. And you can be a macho if you want to, but if you're a child of God, you're not your own. Your body belongs unto the Lord, and He gets to call the shots in your life. And I'm thankful for that. Yes, sir. Because the truth of it is this, if man was left to himself, he would destroy his life. That's all, all the entire Bible, the entire Old Testament, Brother John, all of it was proving to man he could not do it. He could not live good enough. So thankfully, God took care of it because he said, all right, if you want to get saved by the grace of God, in other words, I want you to submit, surrender your, life, your rights to your, to your land. In other words, I want your right to your life. And that's what you get at salvation. That's what repentance really is. And so we looked at the Lordship. Now here's something that I missed this morning. I know you're standing. Here's what I missed this morning. We have a small text, so just pretend I'm reading the whole chapter. And uh, uh, here's what I missed this morning. I missed the fact that this man, when he found it, he hid it again. That's what it says, he hid it again. But uh, we dealt with the fact that the, the, the one who hid it, which is, of course, Satan in, this, in that passage, that we looked at the one who hid it could not secure it. Satan, couldn't, Satan cannot damn a soul to hell. He cannot do it. But he can deceive one there. Right, right. That's right. He can distract one all the way there. Yes, sir. He can do his best to make sure they're doomed for hell but he cannot damn their soul to hell. And, and I'm not cussing there, by the way. I'm saying that that soul, he cannot secure it to an eternal death. He cannot do it. But God had the ability to secure your soul. You know how he did that? He hit it again. <laughs> and what he did was, is he just didn't hide it, but he didn't hide it in the field. No, no, he didn't hide it in the field. But we are hid with Christ in God. Amen. That's eternal security, my friend. He took our soul, he hid it in Christ, and he put it with God, or with Christ in God. So we are in Christ Jesus, beloved. Amen. We're saved, sealed eternally. Amen. That's the sealing of the Spirit. And so we are hid in, with Christ in God. But then guess what? Christ put him in me. That's right. So not only am I hidden in Christ, but Christ is hidden within me. Amen. Amen. That is Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. 
What was the hope of glory again? I believe that's in that internal inheritance, is it not? The glory that shall be revealed in us. That's that hope of glory. That's Christ in you. You know why I'm looking forward to the day of our final redemption? It's because Christ is within me and he is my hope of glory. I'm going to be changed, thank God. I'm different now. But I'm not near what I should be. But one day I will be. Why? Because of Christ, the hope of glory is within me. That's that sealing of the Spirit again. And so there, I dealt with that. And what I missed was, and I even said something about this, but there's a problem with the field. The problem with the field is we like to try to grab a hold of our wheel. You see, even though God took the field, he bought the field, he purchased the field, that don't get rid of the dirt. That's right. That's right. That didn't get rid of the dirt. We still strong. Not only that, but it didn't get rid of the curse. That field will still have thorns growing in it. That's got to be taken care of. That's the working of the Holy Ghost. That's the process of sanctification. But all of that is done in the hope of glory at one day. That glory will be revealed in us in salvation. But that's not what I'm dealing with tonight, but I had to get that off. But there's some great, great truths in there if you want to study that out. Let me look at this real quickly. Matthew chapter number five. I won't hold you long. I know there's a party and everything else and I've already got my stomach rolling now. Uh, at verse number, thir- verse number 14, the Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the privilege that it is to be saved by the grace of God. Thank you for the opportunity to once again begin to declare the truths of thy word to your people. I pray now that you would fill us with your power, give us strength, physical strength, strengthen our voice, and God let us deliver the message that you'd have us to preach. I pray that you'd give us instruction, that you would challenge our lives, Lord, this evening. And Lord, may we truly be the light that you would have us to be in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Preacher, is this my water? Is this what? All right, hallelujah. All right, I'm going to deal with this morning looking at the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. Uh, as I begin to look through this, I talked through this entire Sermon of the Mount uh, through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and so I've got note after note that uh, we could deal with, but I want to look specifically at this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, he is talking about the light of the world. He uses uh, two types that describe the, the life of a Christian. One, you're the salt of the earth. Two, you're the light of the world. And the light of the world, he uses an illustration that I want to focus in on. He says, you are to be a city that is set on the hill that cannot be hid. And he begins to talk about what men do with light. One of the things I found interesting about this light as we look at this is one, there has to be an ignition of light. For light to come on, there has to be an ignition for us as it's flipping the switch. But if there is to be a candle being lit, something has got to light it. A candle just doesn't light by itself. And so uh, let me just say briefly by way of introduction that in order for you and I to become the light of the world, there has to be an ignition through salvation of the Spirit of God. And that is simply this. The light of the world is you uh, portraying, if you will, displaying the life of Christ. For when Christ moves up in the heart of a child of God, and that life is being demonstrated and displayed in the will of God, the world does not see just the life you live, but they see the light of the life 
of Christ. Amen. And so that's what that is representing here in this passage. But in order for us to shine, first of all, there's got to be an ignition. Number two, there's got to be illumination. Amen. There's going to be an illumination. In other words, if you're saved by the grace of God, people are going to pick up on it real quick. If people can't pick up on the fact that you're born again, there's a problem. Say amen right there. That is exactly right. If people cannot pick up on you are born again, if they can't look at your countenance and understand that you have a love for the things of God, if they can't look at your behavior and understand that you behave like a Christian and do your best to live according to the word of God, there is a problem. Amen. amen. So there's the illumination of light. You're to shine. Then there's the imperceptible light. Look what he said. He said, he said, men don't light a candle and put it under a bushel. Amen. Your light can be hidden. You can choose to hide your light. But it's not to be. That is not the purpose of it. The purpose is to shine. Shining is the purpose designed for light. It is to be seen by the people in darkness. It is synonymous with the person of his deity. But this is what I want to focus in on in this passage of scripture. It is to be set in a place that's determined. Here's what I want to look at. Look at verse number 14. Get a lot of world. A city that is, give me that next word. Set. set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, but put it, or neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light into all that are in the house. In other words, when you light a candle, it is not made to be put under a bushel. It is not made to simply be just uh, uh, hidden somewhere or put under somewhere, but its purpose is to shine. And the only way that that candlestick or that candle is going to give out the light that is meant for it to give out is for you to put it on a candlestick. Amen. So in other words, if I want to give light to this house, I'm not going to go light it and just stick it over here in the corner somewhere. It's not going to do its job. It's not going to fulfill its purpose. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go find a candlestick. I'm going to set it on the candlestick, put it up here where everybody can see it and let it shine. And that way it's going to give light to the entire house. Here's my point. When God saves an individual and ignites a light inside of their soul and they are truly purposed in displaying that light to a lost and dying world that is flooded and filled with darkness, then my friend, in order for you to reach your full potential as a child of God, in order for you to freely fulfill God's purpose in your life, you must be a part of the church of God. You are not going to be left roaming around just to live your Christian life the way you want to live. God has set you in the old past Baptist church under Pastor John Smith for a reason. And that is so your life can reach out and affect the lives of those who are walking in darkness more powerfully, more effectively than you could ever on your own. Amen. God has set us on a candlestick. Here's the type. 
we find over there in Revelation, and this is a rebuke, of course, but here's what he is saying. Nevertheless, I have someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent, and do thy works, do, thy, do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Of course, we understand that candlestick is representative there of the church of God. And God is saying, of course, in rebuking that this church had better get right or he's going to remove the candlestick out of his place. The understanding is this. God has a place for your life. He has a church for you to be a part of. He has your church that you're to be joined to. Amen. God has a place for your life to be stationed, to be set, so that you can fulfill his purpose for your life. Amen. 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 I believe that. I'm a local church man, amen. And I'm telling you, God has set me at Pleasant View Baptist Church for the purpose of reaching the full potential that he has for me. If I was, and I believe this with all my heart, if I was anywhere else, Brother Jason, God wouldn't do near as much with me, not that he couldn't, but that he wouldn't do anything, do much with me because I would be out of his, out of my place. My place is to be sitting on the second row in the middle at Pleasant View Baptist Church when it comes to Sunday morning. That's my place. Unless God has me somewhere else, that's my place. And I'm going to sit there. I'll serve God there until God moves me. Why? Because God set me there. And he set me there for a reason. And it is to fulfill my purpose and be allowed and shine, thank God, on my candlestick. I thank God for the church. If, and people who drawn away from that, and I ain't never seen, and I, I guess we get it in this Bible Belt. I've seen a lot of it. People bounce from church to church to pillar to post, and it's ridiculous. And I'll just tell you right now, I believe it's wicked. It is not of God. Amen. I believe God has a church for a child of God. Amen. And he is to join up. And unless that church has fallen off into some false doctrine, which usually it's not, but if it is, then you get out of it. Amen. Jump ship. But I'm telling you, as long as that God puts you there, and he's put you under a man of God that I preach this book you can get mad at him you can get glad at him I don't care if God sets you there and you pack your bags and move on out because he's offended you in some way let me tell you friend your life ain't going to amount to anything compared to what God could use you right where God sets you Amen. I believe that I believe that so I want, I want us to understand God has a place for your light to shine he is going to set you in a place that is determined. I believe God, let me tell you something. I believe God determined me to be where, right where I'm at. Under the man of God that I'm under. And I praise the Lord for that. He is to be set in a place. Let me look at some comparisons, and I'm going to be real brief and be done. Comparisons between the candlestick and the church. I want to notice some things real quickly. I'll get to the message where I want to get to and be done. One of the first things I want to notice about the candlestick and comparing it to the church is, number one, why it's so, such a priority in my life and why it's a priority to God even and through the Word of God. Number one, the candlestick was made out of pure gold. It was a great price God paid for the church. Yes, sir. 
If you want to treat church flippantly, you can treat church flippantly, but you'll stand on the judgment seat of God one day and you'll pay for that one, my friend. Because the church, God paid a great price for it. I don't care if it is on the backside of nowhere, Brother John, underneath the mountain. I don't care if it's in the mountains of West Virginia. I don't care if it's in the metropolis of Los Angeles. If it is God's man preaching God's word in God's place, I'm telling you, that is important. It is God's priority. God purchased the church with his blood. It is of high price. It was a pure gold. It was pure in the fact that it was holy. Amen. Let me tell you something about the church. The church should be holy before God. Amen. I believe that. It should be presented unto God a holy church having the not having spot or wrinkle or such thing. It should be holy and without blemish. Amen. That should be the that should be the testimony of the church. Should be holy. It was a beaten work. Amen. It was a beaten work. It was designed in the fire. Amen. The church has been through the fire, but hell has not prevailed against it, thank God. It was designed in the fire. It was promoted with great labor. My goodness, we could talk all the rest of the evening on those who sacrificed and gave their life and dedicated their entire ministry to the prospering of the church of God. It was a beaten work. There were seven lamps in the candlestick. That means it was a completed work, amen. And that represents the middle branch, of course, representing Christ, and the six branches representing man, branching out through the middle. And so it was a completed work. We see the six branches as a, as a type of the man, of mankind being introduced in, in a part of the church. I'm thankful God came to man, amen. And I'm thankful he came to the Gentile. God gave the church, amen, to this Gentile bride, amen. And that is you and I. And so it includes mankind. It involves his leaves. That's the, uh, there's a beautiful picture there about the obtaining light. His knobs, its bowls, where the almonds uh, were made like unto almonds, which is a type of seed. It's not just a fruit or a nut that you would say, but it is actual seed. It's its actual qualification. And that is a beautiful type of the seed of the word of God which we are birthed by. Then we find that it is to be set. This candlestick was set on the south side of the holy place in the tabernacle. And its light was to never ever go out. Right. Amen. It's never to go out. The light was never to go out. We understand that Eli didn't go out. God brought judgment there. But the light of the candlestick is to never go out. But here's what I'm interested in, and that was the direction of this candlestick, where the direction that the light uh, was given. Over and over and over, you'll find through the book of Leviticus, as they represented the tools and the equipment of the candlestick and where it was to be set, we find that the light was to shine, and here's the word, over against the candlestick. Over against the candlestick. Now light is, the from a candle, it is a universal, it's omnidirectional. It's not focused in the beam like a flashlight, but a candle is omnidirectional. So I was interested in what this meant, this direction of this light to be shown. And what I found was this, it's very, very simple. It The light was elevated above that candlestick, it was over, and it was against in every direction. So let me just say, when you are set in the candlestick, there is a direction of the light, there is an illumination that God is gonna give every individual who is a part of the local church and allow that light to bring some things into focus in the house of God. 
In other words, if you are a part of the church, if you're a part of old past Baptist church, then God has put you here and set you on this candlestick so in your place you can perceive and have some things revealed, some priorities revealed from you being placed in this candlestick. Number one, when you are set in a church, when you are set in the place that God has you to be, number one, you will find the revelation and the priority of the preaching of Scripture. God will reveal to you the priority that he has on the preaching of the Word of God. You see, right in front of the candlestick was the table of showbread in this tabernacle. And what God allowed the light to shine on was the importance and the priority that preaching has. Let me tell you something, you can build a church, you can build a church on a whole lot of things. You can build a church that they try all kind of all, all kind of activities to build it on, but you're not gonna build God's church without Bible, Holy Ghost, anointed preaching of his precious word. And what you need to understand, this is what I found out. You find a crowd that's not a part of the church. Let's just say this crowd, and I know some, some of my family members, and what they want to do is they want to bounce around every church. They want to bounce around hey, this church, that church. They'll stay five years here. They may stay three years here. They may go here and there, but they bounce around. Never been really a part of the church. Never really been involved in church. Here's what I found out has happened to their children. They have no respect, no regard to the preaching of the word of God. Preaching can't reach them. You know why? They've never got set under it long. That's exactly right. What I found is that it has cost their children any priority on the word of God. Let me tell you something, being a part of the church, I was a part of Presbyterian Baptist Church in South Carolina for 14 years under preacher Larry Raines. And then God moved us to Kentucky and it's been a little over 14 years now that we've been at Presbyterian Baptist Church in, uh, in McCready, Kentucky. And so God has given me two men of God, Pastor Maskell, my pastor, and Pastor Raines. God's given me two men of God at that preach the word of God, but God allowed those men and the, and the preaching of the word of God and my parents' involvement and their teaching and putting me underneath those men and serving God in that place in which it had us to be, it taught me having a priority on the preaching of the word of God. I thank God for preaching. I love singing. I do. I love to sing. I love good God to sing, but I thank God for preaching. Singing didn't change my life. It was preaching that changed my life. Singing didn't rescue my life. It was preaching that rescued my life. It was preaching that I didn't like. It was preaching that called my name. It was preaching that burnt my hind end, but it was preaching of this book, and God rescued my life. It was preaching that called conviction. It was preaching that called the God, the call of God in my life came from. It was preaching. God uses preaching. What you need to understand, the others is from that candlestick view, they got to see the preparation. They understood the preparation that was involved. Let me tell you something. Your, your pastor does not just come up here with some message he got off on the internet. At least I hope he don't. Oh, no, but God had to give him something. There was a preparation made. 
those 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 that bread was taken uh, that was taken it was taken time and and they and they and they had to had to have time when they prepared and they made and they needed that bread that dough they baked it and they presented it into this tabernacle it was to be fresh it was to be new it was to be hot Amen. I like that. Uh, it was to be fresh. Let me tell you something. We ought to, a pastor, a preacher, when he has a word from God, it ought to be fresh too. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care if you preach it a hundred times. It ought to be fresh in your soul. It ought, that takes time. It takes study. But when God burdens your heart, it ought to be fresh. Yes. Amen. It ought to be new. If it's new to you, it'll be new to them. Amen. Amen. Nothing new under the sun, but if God has burdened and revealed truth to you and it's new and it's and it's speaking to your heart, it'll speak to somebody else. It's something new, it's something fresh, it's something hot. Amen. It wasn't just to make you comfortable. Preaching don't make me comfortable. If it makes you comfortable, you're in the wrong place. I'm thankful for preaching. We can shout it out and rejoice and glorify God and, and praise the Lord for His goodness. I'm, I'm all good for that. But I'm telling you, this Joel Osteen cloud, this health and wealth stuff, that's a bunch of junk. Are you listening to me? My pastor said it the other day. He said, he said, I believe that this world can be deceived by Satan. There ain't no doubt in my mind. He said, I believe people can be deceived by anything. I'll prove it to you. They still believe wrestling's real. WWE wrestling. <laughs> Not your kind of wrestling. I believe it's all kind of wrestling. <laughs> he said, I believe, I believe they still think that mess is real. Number two, I still think that I, people seem to believe that Joel Osteen's real too, but he's a joke. He ain't no more of a preacher than my wife is. My wife can preach. <laughs> hey, that was coming from Brother Philbeck, Brother Lindsay. She testified the other night and they said, Preach! Amen. 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 It ought to be fresh. It ought to be. It ought to be prepared. And that kind of preparation doesn't come from some psychology book. It doesn't come from a newspaper and a news article. Amen. Amen. It comes from a study of the Word of God. This preparation of all is provided. God gives it. Yes. Amen. I'm telling you, God, God has to reveal truth to a man of God. If he's going to give a message that is going to help people, it's got to come from God. And when you're a part of the church, you understand that. Amen. I'm telling you, sometimes preachers preach, and I know nobody's told him, but he seems to be preaching right at me, and nobody knows what I did. But somehow he knows. I don't know how. I tell you how he knows. He got along with God somewhere, and God gave him a message. Yes. Amen. That's the importance of being a part of the church of God. There's preparation involved. There's provision involved. It was plentiful. The word of God, the bread that was plentiful. There was 12 tribes represented. There was 12 loaves provided every day. In other words, the preaching of the word of God covers everybody. Amen. Amen. I don't care if I'm preaching on salvation, you can get help from it, amen? And if I'm preaching to the saints of God, I've watched, I've preached on prayer before and i watched 12 people almost come down, was it 12 folks, come down and get saved, I've preached on prayer. Yes. I'm telling you, God can take his word and cover everybody involved. Right. Amen, it was everyone's coming. It was personal. This word, this showbread, it was, the word there is, a, is the bread of presence. In other words, it was a bread that came face to face. Let me tell you something. If preaching don't ever get personal to you, it ain't preaching. Right, right. Amen. And I promise you by the end of the week, I'll probably crawl up in your lap and preach at you for a little while. It ain't going to bother me a bit. Amen. It shouldn't bother you if you love preaching. Right. 
I'm telling you, preaching is face to face. It is in your life. It's right where you live. I thank God for doctrinal preaching. I thank God for Bible preaching. Amen. But amen, I like practical preaching too. Get to where I'm living. Speak to my heart. Speak to my life and tell me how it is. Amen. Yes, amen. It's personal. It's personal. I'm telling you, I, when my pastor gets in the mood, I, I know I ain't done nothing wrong, but I still get nervous. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I ain't done nothing wrong, but I'm telling you, my, my heart gets to pitter-pattering, my stomach turns not. I hear the name start getting called, I'm going, oh, Lord, hey, am I next? That's good for you. Amen. It's good for you. Let him preach the paint off the wall, amen, every now and then. Let him call sin like it is. Get down right where we're living and preach. Yes, I like it. Amen. Me. It's good. personal, but it can be pleasurable. Amen. It can satisfy you and it can strengthen you like you wouldn't believe. God's design preaching them help us. It's purpose. It's a purposeful. God will reveal to you your, your one word, per, preacher. Preacher, I, I'm wondering what the will of God is for my life. Hang on a minute. He'll reveal it through preaching. He can help you through preaching. God revealed his purpose for my life through the preaching of this book. Amen. And that priority can be revealed when you're part of the church. And if you're not a part and you bounce around here and there, I'm telling you, your, it's going to suffer, your children are going to suffer for it. And they'll suffer in the understanding of the priority. If you don't have a priority on this book, how in the world do you think your family will? Right. Amen. Amen. There's a revelation being a part on this candlestick, set in this candlestick, there's a revelation of the priority that should be on the preaching of the word of God. Number two, there's a revelation of the priority on the prayers of the saints of God. You see, not only do you find that that candlestick was directly across from this table of showbread, but to the left, to the left side, going toward the, the uh, going to uh, the Ark of the Covenant, before you got into the holies of holies, before you got there, right at the edge, there was the altar of incense. And these men, these priests, they would come in, they would begin to serve that bread, that showbread, that bread of presence. They'd begin to take part of that bread. Then they would go over there and begin to offer up the prayers of the saints of God. And being a part of the candlestick lets you understand how important prayer is to the child of God. This light revealed to these priests as they begin to minister the prayers. This is what it revealed. And first of all, they would take the blood of the sacrifice and they would come and they would anoint that altar of incense with blood. They would sprinkle it with the blood. You know what that was a representation of, a type of, a perfect picture of? It was a reminder of what prayer cost. You see, we got, we got in our mind that we can just thank God we do. We have free access. Thank God I ain't got to go to no pope. Amen. The preacher said there's no hope in the Pope. And I thank God and there's no hope in it. Amen. I ain't got to go to no Pope. I ain't got to go to no confession booth. No, no. God, when he died on Calvary, he rent the veil from the top to the bottom. God did it. And what he provided was an access to the holies of holies. And you and I have that access through the avenue of prayer. And I'm glad I can call on his name any time that I need to. But let me tell you something. When you bow your head and you pray, you better understand it costs the blood of Jesus for you to pray. Yes, sir. It costs God his life for you to have access to pray. We treat, we treat praying. I can preach right here. I ain't got time. We, we could, we, 
Let me tell you something. We treat prayer so frivolously. Oh, in this day, I ain't never. We go. You can go to meetings, and you, the men of God, get up there and they begin to pray, and, and people carry on conversations while somebody's calling on God. I'll tell you something. I heard a wise man say this one time. He said, he said, uh, I read after me. I should say it in here. I read after this, uh, the, and didn't know who, who actually said it. Just said wise man. So that's unknown author. And this is what he said. He said, a man is no closer to God than when he prays. For when he prays, he steps between the brink of heaven and earth and steps into the presence of God before the throne of grace and begins to make his petition known. I'm telling you, it's a holy place when a man begins to pray. Yes. If we believe it like we say we believe it, when a man says, Father, and begins to call out on the name of God, he steps into the presence of God. That is a holy place, but it costs God, the blood of Jesus, to allow us that opportunity. This prayer was anointed with blood. It was burning with coals. It was to be constantly burning with the coals of fire, those coals that came from that altar. It was to be constantly stoked, constantly burning. What that means is not only understanding what prayer costs, but understand that prayer has constant access. Amen. I'm telling you, I thank God that I can get a hold of him anytime I need him. Amen. I'm thankful no matter what time of the day, no matter what time of the night, I can call on the name of my God and know that he can hear and answer my prayer at my moment's need. I'm thankful for the constant access that I have in prayer. And then there was the incense that was poured out. Before they would enter the presence of God, the incense would be poured out. And it was understanding that prayer is a savoring smell unto God. That is understanding this. God loves it when his people pray. I have a, I, I preach a message on, on uh, being scared in prayer and realizing the sacredness of prayer. And I introduce that message with this quote. The silence of prayer speaks into the ears of God. I don't need you. So let me ask you a question. Do you pray? Preacher, I don't, I don't, I, it's been a couple days since I prayed and well, the last time you prayed was probably a blessing over your food, I hope. And, 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 and that's what we, that's what we limit it as. But that silence of prayer just tells God they don't need me. Oh, but when we need him, we want to call on him then, don't we? When we need him and we get desperate and we need God to intervene, we'll call on him then. But God has a desire for the prayers of his saints to be always before him. That's why he said praying always with all prayer and supplication for all saints. He desires us to pray. It's sweet savoring in his presence. Then this light, it's shown, it's shown on the table of showbread. It revealed the priority of the word of God. It revealed the priority that should be on prayer. But then it was a revelation of the preeminence of the presence of the sovereign. In other words, that light revealed to the priest how to have access into the holies of holies. And when that veil was written twain, that light shone clear and free in there. That, that light into the presence of God, it was wide open. But even as those priests began to would labor back in the Old Testament, when there wasn't the access, there was no light behind the holies of holies. There was no, there was no light where the Ark of the Covenant was. The, that darkness was God's secret place. It was a reverence place. 
But for that priest to get in there and to minister and present the coals and allow the, the savoring to go up and for the presence of God and have and have the, the sins being forgiven for the people of God, he would have to have that one glimpse of light and that would come from that candlestick as he would make his way into the presence of God. Let me tell you something about being a part of the church. When you're a part of the church, when you're really a part, there is nothing that means more to you and your family than to have God's presence. Yes. Let me tell you what that bouncing around crowd. What what happens to them? They just they get so used to just sitting on a pew, hearing preaching and singing. They go through motions. They have no. There's no importance whatsoever. No importance whatsoever on the presence of God. You're right. If there was Miss Morgan, the preacher could preach whatever he wanted to out of that book as long as he stayed in the book, and they'd sit through it. I don't care if he's blessing her high or not. That's exactly right. You understand? It's just right where we live. Amen. I'm telling you, Brother Jason, when there's a priority and we esteem the presence of God more important than anything else, our heart will crave for the preaching. We will desire and seek his face in prayer because we understand that his presence is more important than anything else in this world. Amen. To a child of God, that should be the heart's desire of, of every child of God that's a part of the church. There's a preeminence. Let me tell you, when you get into the presence of God, there was the Ark of the Covenant. Inside you would find the Ten Commandments, the mandate of God. Let me tell you something. God's presence is always around things that are holy. God's drawn in holiness. He abides in holiness. Let me tell you something. If you think you can live like you want to, dress like you want to, listen to whatever you want to, watch what you want to, and still think you can be in the presence of God, enjoy the presence of God, you've got a belt, batch in your belt for a room in your attic for rent, as preacher train says. You're crazy, in other words. God don't abide where wickedness is. He don't abide where sin is. He despised sin so much, he had to cast Adam out of the garden, separates, we talked about that this morning. God separates himself from sin. He rejected the proud. He despises sin and he will not, he will not reveal his presence where there is not holiness. That's right. Amen. That's good. There's the mandate that was there. There was the might that was there. We found Aaron's rod that budded. The power of God is there. God's might that was being revealed. His miracles were there, represented with the manna that fell from heaven, God providing for his people. I'm thankful in the presence of God, you can be around the mandate, you can see his power, you can see the miracles that he's provided. But I'm thankful above all of that, you had the blood and the ark and the mercy seat. In God's presence, God reveals his purpose, and that is through his presence to present mercy unto every individual. I'm thankful for the mercies of God. Amen. In the presence of God, God reveals his presence for the purpose of revealing truth, understanding revealing his power, understanding he wants to do a work in your behalf, but also understanding that we are nothing, we're wicked, we're sinners, but he is full of mercy. I heard the preacher say one time, and looking at this passage of scripture, looking at the type of the ark, in the ark you have the commandments, you have our demand to be holy, but none of us are holy. We're not perfect. But the blood always was above the Ten Commandments. You see, God's mercy always trumps, always trumps God's judgment. Amen, I'm thankful for that. His mercies are renewed every day. We and you, we deserve to be in hell. 
Amen. We ought, we deserve to be under the judgment of God. Amen. But God has provided mercy in his presence. That's the only reason why we can come in his presence is that God's merciful. What is man that thou art mindful of him? That's the mercy of God. He's mindful of you and I. It was to reveal his presence. It was to reveal his presence. That's what being a part of the church of God, I'm telling you, I think if, uh, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me the importance that people have on church. It's, it's astounding. If we were to look at your faithfulness, most, most Baptist church faithfulness to the house of God, uh, we would have to simply say um, that you have no desire to be in God's presence because you don't ever show up at God's house. And that's, that's how sad it is in the day and age in which we live. God, if, if you're a part of the church, I don't know about you, but when I go to church, I go to church. And I go to church to get in church and to feel God, hear God, and allow God to work in my life. That's why I go to church. I don't go to church because somebody demands me to be there. Nobody's twisting my arm. I can do whatever I want to do. I can drive wherever I want to go, be the man I want to be. And I'm telling you, I want to be in church when it comes Sunday morning. Now, I don't always feel like going to church, but I want to go to church. And when I get to church, I have a desire, and that's to be in God's presence. And if I don't sense God's presence in the, in the service, I'm questioning whether or not something's wrong with me or something's wrong somewhere else. I have to search my heart because I want to be in God's presence. It's that important to me. But if you have no priority on church, then presence of God don't matter either. I guarantee it. Amen. Now let me give you this last thing, and we're done. We're going to eat, eat something. Let me let me just let me just have you look at this. All right, let's go to Daniel. Let's go to the book of Daniel. I'm gonna make one more point, and I'm done. I want to thank God I'm part of the church, and being a part of the church has revealed some priorities, things that should be preeminent in my life, and I thank God for that. But now let me just reveal one more thing to you that God is going to allow the light from that candlestick to reveal in this house. One. It's revealing the priority of Scripture. It's revealing the, pri the priority of prayer. It's revealing the priority of His presence. But now I want to look at Daniel chapter number 5. I want you to look at this. Verse number 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of, God, of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand, look at this, and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that the king wrote. Now the light of this candlestick shone forward, revealed the priority of preaching. It showed to the left, and it showed the priority of the prayers and the saints of God. Even further, it revealed the presence of God. To the right, it revealed the entrance to the tabernacle. But there's one more direction that it, that it displayed light. And that was behind it. That's where we find verse number five. There's a light shining against the wall. Behind it, over 
against it. And God chooses in the revelation of that light from that candlestick to pronounce judgment on an entire kingdom. More than likely, more than likely, that candlestick, more than likely, came out of the temple of God. According to all these vessels that were taken out of it. More than likely, they set it up in decoration, put it before a party of untold wickedness. And as a type of the church still shining, God wrote judgment. Let me tell you something about being a part of the church. Being a part of the church will reveal to this world his promise of a coming judgment. It will reveal that God still punishes sin. Let me tell you something. When the church is taken in captivity and put somewhere, maybe in mockery and in shame, but put before untold wickedness and depravity, God will use that light to write off an entire nation. I'm telling you, if that's not what he's doing now in America, I don't know what else is going on. There's not a better day to serve God, not a better day to be a part of the church of the living God. And I tell you what God will do to us who are a part of the living, marching church of God. By the way, the church ain't going down. She's going up. Amen. We ain't going down. We all right. We are read the back of the book. We win. Yes. Amen. Amen. We we're fine. We're gonna be just. We're gonna be just fine. Amen. I'm not saying we're not ever gonna face persecution. I'm not ever gonna face. We're not gonna face the fight. I don't know what we're gonna face. I don't know what my children are gonna face. I just know church's gonna be all right. Right. Church's gonna stand. They're gonna be all right. And I tell you what, God's gonna do. God's gonna use the light of our lives to reveal to an entire world His promise of judgment. Here's the thing. I'll use this, and I'm stealing this from my pastor, but don't tell him I'm using it. He, and I wasn't there when he preached it, so I can do this. Amen. Here's what, here's what I found out he said. I got this through the grapevine. Here's what happened. He comes to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy the cities. Because of their wickedness, the cry of their abominations come up before me. I'm going to destroy them. And he's going to go do it. You know what Abraham did? He said, Lord, if there be 50 men there, we spare him. He said, I'll do it for 50. We'd be the... 40, 30, all the way down. How many was it? 10, wasn't it? If you just have 10 men there, 10 men, would you spare it? He said, I'll spare it. You know why God ain't shut the light out in America? There's more than 10 left. Let me tell you something. When the church is gone, she's over. That's good. When the church of the living God, when the people of God, we're snatched out of here, the light's out, friend, she's over. You better thank God for the church. If you're lost, you better thank God for the church because right now the church is the only thing staving off the judging hand of God on a world that is depraved and sin sick. Amen. I'm telling you what that ought to do to you and I who are part of the church. It ought to cause something to rise up inside of us and say, thank God I'm a part of a church that still believes this King James Bible, that still believes in holy, godly, righteous living. Thank God that still believes in the presence of God and worship. All time, thank God, worship and all time religion. Thank God and God has got me here to shine, amen, to shine, shine, shine. Let me tell you, old past, go ahead and let her shine, amen. 
get out the streets, get out the football field, get wherever you need to be and let her shine because sooner or later we're gone, we're out of here and it'll be over for them but thank God the church will rise out, amen. We'll rise up, we'll meet with the Lord in the air. Thank God but we ain't over, we ain't done yet. We'll come back and roll right with him too, amen. Amen. I believe Brother Smith, he'll probably let you come back to Shenandoah Valley, Waynesboro, Virginia, and set up right here his outpost and rule and reign over this crowd. <laughs> Same crowd you had to preach through all these years, he'll let you rule and reign right here. John, go over there, Waynesboro. Shape them up. Amen. I want everything holy, want it cleaned up. Then we'll have the power to do that. Amen. 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 This is what the Bible says pots and the pans are clean, holding this unto the Lord. She's going to be Amen. right then. Yes. Amen. We get to be a part of that. You know why? We're part of the church of God. Amen. We got a part of the candlestick. Amen. Thank God for the privilege to be a part of the church. Amen. I'm thankful to be a part of it. Amen. I praise the Lord for the privilege that he has. God, God's not going to save somebody. Listen to me now. God's not going to save somebody and let them free range. In other words, just hop here and there, get a little bit of truth here and there. No, no, no. When God saves somebody, God has a church for that individual, and he puts them in the church to train them, develop them. He sets them in the candlestick and allows them to reach the full potential they have in their life to shine. Amen. I thank God I'm a part of the church. Thank God I'm a part of the church of the living God. I trust you are as well. Preacher, you come.